Hey friends, thanks for checking out this video. So have you ever read a Bible passage that really kind of troubled you because maybe it made God seem bad, vindictive, or maybe you came to a Bible passage, you're like, I don't even know why that's in the Bible. Like, it doesn't even seem like it has any practical application for my life or like seems very irre you know, irrelevant. Like, what does it mean? I I've come to two passages today that, that kind of haunted me in that way and made me scratch my head. And so I want to share a couple of them with you and just share how I made sense and how they've helped me today. So the first one was Psalm chapter 26. Psalm chapter 26, I was reading this morning, it says, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I've always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. When I read that this morning, I was like, no, that does not describe me. That, like, and, I, and I read, you know, that it was written by David. At least that's what scholars believe that David wrote this. I'm like, that's not true of David. You know, I guess maybe he wrote this like when he was still a shepherd boy, you know, before he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and, you know, a lot of other bad things. But we know David wasn't perfect. And yet he's writing this saying, vindicate me, Lord, for I've lived a blameless life. And I'm like, that's not true of me. I, I've trusted the Lord, not faltered. Nope, guilty there as well. Um, you know, test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. And I was like, man, is, is God, you know, not going to be happy with me? Because is he not going to vindicate me? He's not going to be gracious to me. He's not going to be faithful to me because I can't say those things. And I wrestled with like, why does, why does David put that in there? And I started wrestling with that. And the, well, the conclusion that I came to was, well, if I was David, that's how I related to God, right? In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, we had a workspace relationship with God. Our relationship with God was based upon us keeping his commandments, was based upon us keeping the, the sacrificial system and, and obeying the law. And, and yes, we got pictures, you know, sneak peeks of God's love and his mercy, but the whole understanding of God and his gracious, unconditional love had not fully been seen yet because he hadn't sent Jesus to die on the cross yet. And, and so it reminded me of another passage in, in, in the New Testament that I struggle with. Matthew chapter 27, it talks about Jesus' crucifixion. It talks about Jesus' crucifixion. It says this, verse 50, Matthew chapter 27. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Wow, what another interesting passage of scripture, right? So he's like, you know, what? Like some of it makes sense. We're like, okay, we heard a lot, right? Jesus dies, the temple, uh, the curtain in the temple is torn from top to bottom. Okay, represent our relationship with God, right? We can have a relationship with him now. You know, there's an earthquake. Okay, we get that. But then what about the resurrection of these people? What? It says the tombs were split open and the bodies of many holy people just came out of their graves. What is going on here? Well, I, I think, I don't know exactly what the main passage, point of this passage is, but one thing I get here is this, that Jesus, his main purpose in coming to earth was not. He didn't come so that we could all have a you know, Psalm 26 testimony of I've always been perfect, right? I've never let God down. I've always trusted his faithfulness. I'm good. No, he didn't, he didn't come to make dead people 
good. He came to make dead people alive. That's why he came to me. Came to make dead people alive. That's why when we read the stories of Jesus and his disciples, like he didn't sit down with them and like go over the 613 commandments that the the Jewish leaders had for people to follow. No, he wrapped it up in two. He said, "Love God, love people. Now come and follow me and trust me." And he just kind of led them on this adventure and put them in situations where they had to learn to to trust God and to love other people in hard ways. He didn't come to make you and me, you know, perfect little people. No, he came to give us true life. You know, it reminds me of step number four at Celebrate Recovery. It's about sanity. We talk about sanity. And step number two of our Celebrate Recovery of Recovery Ministries goes like this. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yes, we came to believe that there is a power greater than us that can restore us to sanity. You know, what's insanity? Insanity is oftentimes, you know, we say it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's oftentimes the way people live, right? We want our lives to be different, but we don't do anything to change, okay? And and in Celebrate Recover, we say before anything's going to change, you first need to learn to surrender, you first need to learn that, that, that it's not you that can change, but it's this higher power. It's this greater power. It's Jesus who can, who can change you, who can come into you, and who can bring death, from de- bring you from death to life. And the question is, have you experienced this resurrection? Have you experienced this change? It, the, the unfortunate part of it, though, is if, you've, if you want to experience resurrection, what do you have to first experience? Yeah, death. You've got to experience death in order to experience resurrection. You know, at Celebrate Recovery, we oftentimes experience this way. You get to step four and you are like, okay, I've, I've got to do hard things now, right? You get to the part, lesson four with sanity. You're like, okay, I've got to, number one, acknowledge, okay, that, that God's in charge, that I can surrender to him. But then you got to go do really hard things like unpack some things from your past, some past hurts, and acknowledge the hurt and grieve it. And you've got to go to people that have hurt you and forgive them you got to go to people that you have hurt right because you've been hurt and you've hurt other people you got to go and say i'm sorry ask for forgiveness and and you got to work some really hard steps and it feels like death but through that death it leads to life and you know it might seem impossible to you right now like how you're ever going to restore a relationship with your father who's it's been dead for so long and that relationship just seems like it's in the grave but through the power of God, he could resurrect it. It might seem impossible, but it seemed impossible for these holy people who were dead to come back to life, and Jesus brought them back to life. It might seem impossible right now to think that, that you could overcome your addiction to alcohol, and yes, on your own you can't do it, but if you surrender, if you learn to, to, to lay down your pride, you learn to do the hard, hard steps of recovery and to come and really acknowledge that there is a power that could restore you to sanity and do all the hard work of learn to forgive, learn to humble yourself. God can bring freedom, can bring resurrection to your life. The question, are, the question is, are we willing to die, though? That's why I love baptism, right? What is baptism? Baptism is a picture of that surrender of us, of us dying to our old selves and saying, God, I need you to take it away. I need you to give me new life. And that's why I actually appreciate it when people are like, hey, I really want to be baptized, but... I don't know if I want to do it in front of people. I'm like, yes, you should do it in front of some people because I get it. It's you got to swallow your pride, right? When you go up in front of other people and be baptized, you're saying, I don't have it figured out. And other people, you're saying, I'm declaring Jesus as the one who does. 
and I need his grace and I need his mercy. And yes, it's, it takes swallowing of your pride. It takes you trusting him, you getting outside of your comfort zone. But by that death, through going through that death experience, man, he, he, he brings you back to life. He resurrects you in order to, for you to experience a resurrection. You got to go through some sort of death. So that's my question to you is, have you gone through that death? Have you experienced that resurrection power in your life? Yeah, William Wallace once said that not every man, he says every man dies, but not every man truly lives. My hope and my desire is that you would truly live, that you wouldn't say, okay, I'm just trying to be a good person, right? I'm going to church, I'm listening to these devotionals so I can do a little bit better, so I can have fewer regrets. No, my hope is that you would today either make the decision, okay, to first surrender and experience that death so God can raise you back to life, or if you've already experienced it, thank God, thank Jesus for the death that he died and the fact that he allowed himself to die, but then the Holy Spirit to empower him to come back to life so that we can experience that life as well. And so whatever you need to surrender today, whether, whether it's, you know, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a, a bad attitude that you have towards somebody, towards a coworker, towards a spouse, Remind yourself of that first death, of you laying down your life to Christ and say, okay, I, I made that commitment. I did it. I've experienced that, and I, I need to surrender that area of my life even today so that I can experience a resurrection in that relationship. Right? Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with a child, a kid. Maybe it's with a neighbor. Go and do the hard work, the thing that's going to make you feel like death, like saying you're sorry or saying, okay, can we talk about this? In order for something to be resurrected, you got to experience some death, but God will give you that power. He's the one that can restore you to sanity. He's the one that can bring you new life and new hope. So let me pray for us and ask God, okay, to kind of help to speak to us, to give us next steps so that we can experience his resurrection life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who um, gives us that life, um, who miraculously rose from the dead. You empowered him to rise from the dead, but then you also brought people back to life because that's your goal for us your goal is to not let us continue to live in in death spiritually disconnected from you but to unite us back to you and to make us truly alive and so god we ask that you would help us to see the areas of our lives that we've yet to fully surrender to you the areas of our life that that maybe are in need of a resurrection god um, and then the, the, give us clarity about the next steps that we can take um, to surrender those fully to you um, so you can bring more life into our lives. Um, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, it's in his name that we pray. Amen.